right, everybody, welcome to another episode of Conversations with Timotoju. I'm excited to have Jamie York online with me today. He's an entrepreneur, he's a property investor, public speaker from Leeds in the UK. I'm excited to have him on to share some of his thoughts and his experience and his journey with us today. Hopefully you can find it inspiring to do your own thing. Hi, Jamie, how's it going? Uh, it's great. Thank you, mate. It's uh, really good to be on and hoping to add a load of value to you and your audience. So thanks for having me. Oh, thank you for joining us. So from what I, from what I understand here, I've been talking to people that know you and they all said that uh, you started your entrepreneurship journey at a very early age and uh, that you're one of the most successful guys that are under 30 in the area. Can you tell us a little bit about your journey? <laughs> yeah, that was nice that people were saying that. Um, but yeah, I, st- I mean, I'm 29 now. Um, I started, I guess when I was 19 is when I started my first investment in property. And it was actually at university over here. So um, I was studying in London and I was actually trading originally. So stocks, derivatives and the Hang Seng's and coffee and stuff like that. <laughs> and um, I just I just loved it, you know, and originally it was from a need. So um, renting in London is incredibly expensive, like uh, it's really expensive. And obviously, as a student, you don't really get much. Um, well, you get support from the government, but not that much support. And, um, you know, there's only my mom around my, my dad unfortunately passed away when I was younger so my mom was doing her best to help me out but you know we 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 didn't grow up around money and so I started trading and I I started getting good at recognizing patterns and things like that Um, and I started making good percentage returns not so much money monetary because I didn't have much money to put in but because I was making you know three four percent a month at that point um, a lot of people around me said, well, I've got five grand, I've got 10,000, I've got 20,000. And so soon enough, I had a good portfolio of money um, circulating around and I was taking a cut of it as it was coming in. The downside is I hated it. I really hated it. I was, I was miserable. I felt depressed. And um, it's because I love people. Like I like being around people. I enjoy human interaction and trading is quite a lonely game. Or well, that was my experience of it anyway and the late nights and stuff. So I just ended up selling it. Somebody made me an offer. I sold it when I was um, 19 and I got about a quarter of a million pound, um, which is a strong amount of money. Mm -hmm. But you know what happens when you give a teenager that's never had any money, um, quarter of a million, right? And uh, you can say I had the best and worst year of my life. (laughs) And um, in the space of about 10 months, I spent about 230,000 of that. And the worst thing is I didn't even have any stupid, you know, like a stupid Ferrari or something like that, or a cool watch. I had nothing. So it all just went on alcohol and stuff like that. You know, it was, um, I got into the wrong crowds and stuff. And uh, it was actually whilst I was at university, the, um, a lecturer there, sort of, he pulled me aside and he just said, look, Jamie, I've been teaching people for a long time now. And you're, you know, you're a special guy and you've got a lot to offer the world, which was really nice because obviously I didn't really have a father figure, um, you know, growing up. And he just said, you're, you're going to inspire people. You can do all of this. You can write books. And he, I, was, I genuinely think you're going to be that sort of person or you'll end up in prison. And I was like, well, OK, that's a bit of a contrast. 
Yep. And he just said, and at the moment, the way that I'm seeing you, you know, you're not turning up when you do, you look like crap, um, you know, and at the moment I see you going down the track of it ended up in prison and you need to alter something in your life. And I thought, one, it's so nice to have somebody believing in me, um, but also quite a shock factor. You know, that's not a normal thing mm-hmm. for somebody because I, I was getting in trouble, but not that sort of trouble. You know, it wasn't like a, I didn't think I was going down that bad of a path, but Obviously, sometimes it takes an external perspective on yourself to, for you to look at yourself. It's almost like not many people want to look in the mirror proactively. Sometimes it takes somebody holding it up to us. And I didn't like what I was seeing. And so my background at that point was, you know, I recognize patterns. I'm good at seeing things that maybe other people don't. And apart from that, my only skill was with my hands. You know, I was a laborer. I'd work like my family are very hands-on, what we call blue collar over here. I don't know yeah. if you call it the same. same here, yeah. yeah, same there, blue collar. And um, that's all I knew. And there's a TV program over here called Homes Under the Hammer. Okay. And it's like, you watch it if you're interested in property. And I'd watched one too many episodes and thought, all these idiots, they ignore all the advice and they still make money in property, right? Where can I go wrong? <laughs> and so it just turned out actually that the the lecturer also had a small portfolio of properties and they were all properties in Burnley in the UK, which is in the Northwest. And, um, and I thought, well, yeah, that's where I'll go. So I was 19. I couldn't get lending, right? I couldn't get mortgages. Um, and I found a property in the Northwest for 21,800 pounds, which is like ridiculous. Yeah. Um, bear in mind the average price of a house in the UK is like a quarter of a million. Okay. So it was uh, 21,800 and I end up borrowing a little bit of money to top up what I had. And my mate's dad bought me a van and it was horrible. This van, like I drive up the motorway, which is about 240 miles. And, um, and it didn't even have a CD player or anything like that. <laughs> and somebody had tried breaking into it through the door. So there was this little lip um in a hole so if i went over 50 miles an hour which on the motorway you go 70 here right and you just have like oh because wind is coming in <laughs> 200 miles so i'd have my big headphones on just for 200 miles <laughs> and i did i used i used to, i loved it and i got paid cash in hand in the job that i started getting i drove up on a friday night it took about four hours in the car i'd sleep in a sleeping bag in the back of the van and i just got started and it was terrible. The investment was terrible. Um, it was a bad property in a bad area on the worst street. Um, my neighbor, who um, literally next door to the property I bought, was like, yeah, I'll do the plastering in the kitchen for you. I was like, yeah, brilliant. Gave him the keys and just waited to hear from him. And it was a couple of months um, that passed. And I'd done all the works myself. And something didn't quite sit right. So I drove up there after not getting any responses to text. And I went in the house and you know, sometimes you can just sense something's not right. Yeah. So I went in, it was like, smelled a bit musky. It was cold. It felt damp. And I'd gone in and the radiators had been taken off the walls. All of the pipes had been nicked. The, um, my tools in the toolbox had been stolen. The kitchen wasn't installed. And I was like, what the hell is this? And so I end up knocking, banging on the door, Steve, 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 what's happening? And I see the curtains moving um, um, against the window. And I'm like, well, I can see you're there. And you're obviously just trying not to. So I'm banging on the window. And these are, they're called back-to-back properties. So it's 
it's two levels. So you've got the front room and the back room's the kitchen, and then you've got bedroom, bedroom upstairs, yeah. right? There's small terrace bobs even they're called back to backs here. So I'm looking through the window like that, and I can see in his kitchen, my kitchen has been installed. Oh. And I was like, <laughs> so not only has something happened, presumably he stole the rest as well, he'd actually installed my kitchen in his kitchen. And I was just like, what what the hell? And so at that point, I was ready to give up, right? And um, I just thought, you know what? Property's not my thing. Maybe, maybe I'm not going to do this um, and all of that. But at the same time, I'd found another property that I thought was really good. This is whilst I was doing the refurb. And I negotiated the price down to 19,800. And I thought, how can you get a property for less than 20 grand? And I felt yeah. incredible. But I didn't have any money to buy it, right? And it was um, tied so, up in the other property. Yeah, it was tied up in the other property, right? And so I ended up talking um, down the pub with my mate. I was bitching about it. Oh, I found this great property, but I can't do anything with it. And he goes, well, my dad actually buys property in that area. He'd be interested. And I thought, well, I can't do anything. Here's the details. I might as well buy it. And he did. And a couple of months later, he gave me a couple of grand um, for it in a brown envelope. And where I'm from, if somebody does that, they want something dodgy, right? And I was like, whoa, 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 is it? He was like, no, 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 look, you found me a great property. Find me another one and I'll pay you. And I thought, whoa. So over here in the UK, I don't know what it's like in Canada, but when you sell a property, the person that's selling the property, that's where you make your money. You get paid a fee from the person Correct. selling it. Yeah. You don't get paid from the person buying. That's Whereas right. in America, you get paid a bit of both, right? Yeah. And um, and so, yeah, it was a big shock for me. And I was like, whoa, I'm going to be a pioneer. I'm gonna, this is going to be massive, all of that. And then I get back home and I look at my laptop. And it turns out I'm not a pioneer. <laughs> Hundreds of people do this in England. It's called deal packaging or okay. property trading, right? And I thought, okay, maybe I'm not a pioneer. Maybe I'm not the spearhead of this. But what it did prove to me is actually people are doing this already and they're making money from it. Why can't I do it too? So then I did. I started getting educated in it. And I realized the more education I got in it, I realized that there was a gap in the market here because people were just doing it short term just to get an extra couple of quid in before they started buying property themselves. And I thought, well, why would I do that? Because I'm sat in between property and money. Mm -hmm. And so I can cherry pick the best deals, get people to invest in them with me, and then sell on the other ones that are still great deals. Yeah. They're just not in my area and things like that. So we started doing that. And then fast forward to today, well, we were kind of eight years on from that. We now got a multi-seven-figure business doing that. And you know, I've got a few other businesses, some gyms in fitness. I've got some schools out in Africa and stuff like that. So it's it's really just built out from there and just chipping away and learning as we're going along and then just reinvesting in our education, mentors, big on mindset um, and money mindset as well. And it's just that deferred gratification has meant that a lot of people now see it as like, whoa, you've done that in such a short amount of time. And it's like, well, well, eight, nine years, 100 hour weeks, you know, it's graft. It's not easy, this. It's not this overnight success that people see because I put a video up and going, hey, we've got the keys to a new property. And they're like, what? You only did one last week. It's like, <laughs> it's taken me eight years to get to that point, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's a very brief overview of the quick journey of where it got to from there to now. 
you know, that's, that's crazy. That's not, that sounds wild. You know, I was gonna, I was gonna ask you earlier that, uh, you know, as an 18 or 19 year old getting into this business thing and getting money the way you have, you know, how did you find the discipline? But then you were telling me that, uh, that you had a prof that, that kind of sat you down and kind of, and kind of put things into perspective for you. So after that happened, still though, how were you so disciplined to build your business into a multi-million dollar business? Well, so, so su success really in financial success is about making, managing, multiplying money. Okay, the three M's, if you like. And I guess what I'd proved to myself at an early age is I know how to make money. Mm -hmm. But I also went through the pain of not knowing how to manage it. So because, you know, my dad was never great with money, you know, he earned okay money, um, like probably lower middle class um, level money, but then spent it down the pub each weekend. Mm -hmm. And that's probably where I learned that behavior, right? Of buying friends, I guess, is, is yeah. where it's at. And then that was it. So I'd learned what not to do. And sometimes that is part of developing the path. It's, it's not just about getting it right all the time. Sometimes you can learn from others but sometimes you have to feel the pain of your mistakes. Mm -hmm. And I had, and, and, you know, so, but and I'm glad I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't go back and change that because I wouldn't be great with money now mm -hmm. if I wasn't useless with it then. So I learned then how to make money. And then when I lost it all like that, and then started building it up a bit more, I learned how to manage money effectively. Okay. And I started surrounding myself with different people, you know, like, in Napoleon's Hill book, Napoleon Hill's book, Think and Grow Rich, um, there's, a, there's a chapter in that says you are the average of the five people you surround yourself with. So I don't know whether it's five, 10, 15, but it's logical. If you surround yourself with the guys down the pub that are bitching about everything, you're going to become that person, right? right? Whereas if you surround yourself with people like us, you know, we talk differently. Like the, the stuff that we're talking about right now would bore 99% of people. That's true. But, but I don't want to be 99% of people. I don't, I don't want to talk about that stuff. So it's not to say I don't enjoy some of it. But I like talking business. I like talking about mindset. I like talking about money. And so if we went down the pub and had a few beers with each other, I'm talking about this stuff with you there as well. That's right. Okay. And, and that's what excites me. So, so I surround myself with people that not only know how to make money, they know how to manage money and they know how to multiply money and say, people say ignorance is bliss, right? But ignorance costs you a lot of money. Yeah. And so whilst I like learning from my mistakes, I think the thing that has been the key to success is I like learning from other people's mistakes. Mm -hmm. So I see what they've done. I see what mistakes they've made and I see how I can do it differently. So I've just become more and more disciplined and mixed in all of these different things. So for example, I've got a buffer system. So whenever I build my businesses, um, let's say right now, my expenses are about 50,000 a month, which is quite a lot of money. Um, in a business, but say I, like, I've got some key hires that I want to make. So let's say those key hires are going to cost me an extra 10,000 a month. So I call it my six and two. So six months buffer, which is protection money, two months trading, yeah. which means I need eight months worth of those costs before I allow myself to make those hires. Mm -hmm. So in order to hire those people that are going to cost me an extra 10,000 a month, I need to get 80,000 pounds that's going to sit in those accounts and not touch it. And then I can hire him. And the theory behind that for me is that actually, if I go through eight months of money and I haven't learned how to make more than that cost, something's wrong. Something's wrong. And I need to make the hard decision to ask them. 
at that point, which I've never had to do because you shouldn't you shouldn't have to, right? Mm-hmm. The next thing is kind of a play on T. Harvecker's jar system. Okay, so money comes in, where do you place it? So here's my main account, my financial freedom or investment account, my play account, my give account, long-term savings, and things like that. Um, and that really helps the money management. And then the core discipline around it is, of course, rich dad, poor dad, right? That's where right. your money is earned from. So don't spend earned money. I, I don't touch any money that I earn from business. Mm. I don't touch at all, ever. And kind of mixed in with, I don't know if you've read The Richest Man is Babylon, or, of The Richest Man in Babylon. I don't think uh, I've seen that one. I don't think I've read that one, no. Oh, it's a game changer. Really, really, you should read it. It's, it's one of the core ones. It's, it's right up there with Rich Dad, Poor Dad of how it shifts the mindset, yeah? All right. And, um, and it talks about when you earn your money, your, that's your gold, okay? But don't spend your gold, okay? What you want, you, and they say, you want your gold to have babies, okay? okay? And your gold works together with more gold, and that's going to produce your silver. And if you can be really smart, don't touch your silver. Get your silver making babies, and that's your bronze. Live off your bronze. Okay, and it goes through this journey how you can go from really high in debt to living off your bronze in just five, 10 years. Okay, and that's how I, I, I tend to do it. So I make um, investments in my business. Okay, the best investment I can make right now is in infrastructure, training, and marketing. Okay. okay, because people talk about return on investment, and you might invest in property and get 15% return and go, wow, over a year. Right, that's a great return. Whereas I can spend a thousand pounds on ads and get 10,000 pounds back overnight, okay? As long as I've got the infrastructure. So my first investment is that, and then my business produces money. And that will, that's my gold, okay? Now, once I've got a bloat in the business, a bloat in business is an over-surplus of money, okay? So if I've got my 50K a month, I need 400,000 sat there. Everything over 400,000, that's a bloat. I don't need that money there. I even need it working for me in some way. So I'll invest that into some, what is perceived as higher risk investments, but they're not because I understand them. And I'll probably get 25% return on that over a year. That is going to produce my silver. Okay. And then I get my silver working for me, usually in the safer route investment. So stocks and shares um, for me and property investment. And those produce my bronze and I live off my bronze. Okay. And all of that has just been discipline that takes time and I've built it up. It's hard to say live off your bronze when you're trying to put food on the table at the start. Yeah. Yeah. But but that's where it comes in and it's these small things. So at the moment, when you look at the jar system, where the aim is to live off 50% of your money that comes in, well, actually, a lot of people, you're living off 99% of your money or sometimes over it. Oh, yeah, at which point right, you need yeah. to you need to cut your expenses back, okay? Mm-hmm. If you're spending more than what you're earning, you need to cut back in some way. Stop shopping at the organic stores. Eat some crap food. Live off pasta for a while. Yeah. You know, downgrade your house. And people don't want to do that. But that's what it takes, okay? And then you manage your money. And this is where Richest Man in Babylon comes in. He says for, for every, well, I'll call it dollar, but whatever it is, the equivalent where anyone is, for every dollar that you get, Put 10 cents away because if you can live off a dollar, you can live off 90 cents. That's or if you've got if you've got a thousand dollars, you can live off 900. You can't. Anyone can make that work if you you cut it very quickly. That hundred dollars a month adds up, adds up, and it compounds and it compounds. And um, was it Einstein or I think it was Einstein that said it's the eighth wonder of the world. 
um, the, the power of compounding, you cannot fathom it in your head. The only way to do it is genuinely get a spreadsheet and start compounding. You know, when you drag it down and you times it by 1.2, yeah. And then you times it by 1.2, 1.2, and you drag it down. That's when your head goes, whoa. Okay. And that sort of discipline of learning how to make, manage, and multiply, and therefore master money just comes with time and dedication and commitment to your financial acumen, mindset, and growth. Well, I, I think, you know, there are a lot of people out there that know how to make money, but they don't know how to manage and multiply money. So it's great to kind of hear your perspective on that. You know, earlier on, you said part of what you do is educate. Can you talk a little bit about your education program that you do? Yeah, sure. So um, I've been involved in education probably for about four years now, I would say. Um, and up until recently, I've done that with a promoter in the UK. Um, and I educate a lot around property investment, mainly UK um, based property investment, but people um, from all over the world investing in UK real estate, right? And um, learning how to do it from anywhere in the world. And that's that's the key with what I do in property. I was very clear on my outcomes that it doesn't really, obviously I like money, but I want to be able to do everything from my phone. Yeah. Okay, so I'm able to build the portfolio. I don't need to view them because of the systems and all of that. So I've done that for probably about four years. And then in the last year, I've taken it in and built my own education company up now where we're focusing core at the moment in property investment and scaling and being able to do what we do essentially and teaching people how I teach my team with the systems and everything like that. And then also just um, teaching around business in general. So how to do marketing, how to set up ads, all of that sort of thing and how to build a thriving business over time. That's awesome. And then you also mentioned that you have a school in Africa? Yeah, so I've got a few different schools. I've got, so when, when I was 15, um, I was a bit of a, I don't know, I was lost. I was lost as a kid. And um, the, my, my local council had something called a youth council. Okay. And it was really great. And, you know, they positioned it as a, we're looking for people to do great things. Really, it was getting kids off me off the street, doing stupid stuff. And you know, getting into these programs. And when I was 15, I had the opportunity to go over to the Gambia okay. in West Africa. And we've raised about 30 grand as a big group. Then we paid for ourselves to go over there and help build part of a school. And I remember just sort of seeing like, wow, these kids are really happy. They're really happy. And they got nothing. Like it was, it was kind of surreal, like, you know, being a white guy, um, as well over there that that seemed to be a really big thing because mm -hmm. I, I, I don't I don't know whether it was I don't know the angle why but maybe it was just about you were white and that they're not used to seeing white people um, in that particular village right. um, but I remember feeling just real happiness from them and just contentment of where they're at and then I remember something upset me there was I, there was this girl that I met and I was talking to her and she's just i wouldn't say the most intelligent person i've ever met but up there you know incredibly intelligent and i remember saying well what are you gonna do and you know i thought she'll be a doctor or along those you know doctor or lawyer like you expect the jobs you'd expect at that level and i think what was really um kind of humbling i guess is she just went well actually i'll probably end up on the fields 
And I was like, well, why would you do that? And it was like, well, that's what my family do. And I think that's the first time it really hit home my natural privilege that I've had. Mm. So, and I really reflected on that over, over a long time. And the fact that I'm born in England, I'm white and I'm a man gives me so much privilege that I'd never really thought about before. And, you know, the, the world is becoming more and more aware with like the movements going on around the world, just how much privilege there is in that. Yeah. But even from that age, I started realizing, geez, because I'm born in England, there's a limit to how bad life can get. You know, our government's pretty good at looking after people here that um, don't have things. So if I look at everything now, say I lost everything, like everything, and I was on the street, I wouldn't be on the street for long because of the way our government is. That's right. And when you look at that and it's like, hmm, life is really great um, because of where I am. And I, and I started hating the fact that because this girl was born, well, female, first of all, in a small village in West Africa, the, the treatment isn't what you would like to see, maybe. Right. Um, and the fact that she was born in West Africa meant she had less opportunities. And that really started to piss me off, really. And I thought, that's really sad. And so I started um, paying for kids to go through education. And as I built up wealth, I thought, wouldn't it be cool if I took away that situation? So the, the aim long term is, so I've helped build and fund some schools okay. and paid for the kids' education. And the aim is I'm looking at linking it with um, universities in the UK. Okay. So the idea is I've fund people to go through school. They take tests. So we have like 11 plus and GCSEs here or whatever your exams are, um, the equivalent there. And I'm going to put the English school system because it's the only one I know and it's pretty decent. And then the people that finish top of the class, that's where I'm going to focus most of my energy on because you can't help everyone. That's right. right. Well, not for now. Anyway. And then the idea is when they hit that and the university standard, I'm going to pay for them to come over here and put them up in house, uh, um, home, pay for their food, all of that. And then the university gives them a scholarship. They get properly educated and get a degree on the proviso that they go back to their local village for a minimum of five years to give back and share and educate and add value, at which point they can do whatever they want, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's the idea. That's the idea. It's, it's this naive dream, if you like, to break down the barriers that you should have left just because you happen to be born in a different part of the world and, and um, a different um, gender in that situation. Um, and I just want to break down those barriers and do my best for that. That's really amazing. And, and you know, I've, I've, I'm a big believer that there's always a blessing in giving. And I, and I always see like a lot of the successful people, they have a way of giving back to people, right? And, and I, and I, you know, I absolutely love what you're doing over there. And I think that uh, when you give back in any way, it leads to more blessings in a way when you bless others, you're blessed. And that's, and that's kind of, that's my philosophy. And that's the way that I live my life. Right. So that's, that's amazing. You know, you said something earlier that I kind of want to go back to. You mentioned uh, about the people that you surround yourself with. So I know that you've built a really good team of people around you now, and that's kind of how you and I connected is through the people that you've built around you. So at what point in your business did you realize that, hey, you know what, I can't do this alone. I need to build a team of people around me so that uh, we can learn together, learn from each other and actually grow together. 
Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. And I guess the key within that is where my mindset shifted about what it was for me. So um, at the start, it was just graft, you know, move, 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 like go, go, go. And then it was this whole, you know, no man's an island. And it's true, you know, there's no such thing as a self-made millionaire. Um, most self-made millionaires are people that got it overnight and they lose it very quickly. Yeah. Um, or people that won the lottery and they lose it. You see it all, all the time, people winning multiple, yeah. 10, 50 million and they lose it. And you're like, how, how did you do that? That is impressive in its own right. You yeah. know, well done for screwing up that royally. But it's not their fault, you know. You, you, like, I think if people win the lottery, the, the lottery fund should maybe do more to educate people around money and maybe not allow them access for the first year or, or do something like that, I don't know. Um, so when I realized there was a limit and it was just, there was more and more backlog and I hired way too late, you know, the, the constant advice you get is hire before you think you need to. But yeah. it's scary, you know, because actually I'm just trying to pay myself right now. Mm-hmm. And when we got our first employee, it was really weird because they were on a salary of, I want to say like 17,000, okay, the first employee we got. But me and my business partner were paying ourselves 1,000 a month, so 12,000. Yeah. So we were just trying to get by it. It was so weird because it was a, a basic admin position that we'd hired for, and yet that individual was getting five grand more than me. And it was like, it was such a weird thing, but it was like, oh, man. But that person didn't generate money, that individual, but they took administration costs that needed to get done away from me and my business partner, which then meant that we can focus on higher KREs, which are key result areas of your business. Hiya, little man. And then, you know, we focus on these higher value activities and stuff like that. So it's, it's kind of pushing um, yourself to generate more value. And the more value, you know, you, you'll know this in business, the more value that you put out there, the more money you make. And that's, that's right. how you get rich, right? There, there's two ways to get rich, either add the most value, and you can charge more money or add a small amount of value millions of times. And a great example of that, all right, apart from the impact on the environment is straw, the straw, okay? All right, take out the plastic and the impact that's having, but the straw is fixing a really small problem for millions of people a day, billions of people a day, okay? And I think it was 3M that owns uh, the, the patent and rights that, but they'll make a fraction of a cent 0.00001 cent and there'll be multi multi billions from that okay and, and building that up and making money um at the start i had this mindset of it's just a staff member it's just an employee right they work for me i pay them and they do this the, the best mindset shift i ever had is realizing that they're a part of your ecosystem hmm. yeah, and they are a representation of who you are and and interestingly, it was only yesterday I did an Instagram post on this. So weird timing this came on. Is actually what I realized is they don't work for me. They work for our customers. That's right. And I work for them. So I work for my employees. I work for my team. And, and my job, and, and this is why it's so important to surround myself with great people that are a reflection, is to train them to guide them, to inspire them, to give them what they need to be happy, to check in on them, make sure, especially the last year, where's their mental health at? That's right. And and the moment I made that shift that they work for our customers to add value and I work for my team, business just exploded. 
because it wasn't just about the money. And don't get me wrong, if I stopped paying people, would they stay here? I don't know for how long, you know, we all need to eat, but I know that every single person that works in this team, it's not just for the money. Um, it's because they are a key component of the cog that turns the business wheel around. And that, that was the biggest and best shift I've ever had in my business. That's amazing. You know, I was reading a book yesterday. I think it was a Harvard Business Review on coaching. I think it was what it was. And it, and it talked about, you know, the best thing that you could do as a company owner, or as a manager is to coach your employees to be the better version of themselves. Not, not coach them to do technically what you need them to do, but coach them to do what they're best at doing. And part of that is recognizing what their skills are, right? Because when you put them in the right position and you coach them and you're checking on them, they're going to excel at it. And when they're excelling at it, that means uh, higher productivity, right? So, so, I mean, it's great to hear you say that, you know, it's important to check in on them and make sure that you build them up and work with them because they're working for your customer, right? And mm. they're a representation of you and your brand, which is, which is important. So I have one, I have one last couple of questions for you here. Um, you know, there are many people out there that, uh, that have a talent. I think one of your talents is recognizing opportunity, right? Uh, they have a talent, but they're always so scared to turn that talent into a business. What are some of the tips that you would give to those people based on the challenges that you've gone through type of thing, you know? What words of inspiration, I guess, would you have for people like that? Okay, so that, that's a brilliant question. First of all, I'd change that slightly. I'd say everyone has a talent that they can monetize and add value to the world. And um, I was talking to, um, you know, I'm big on marketing. You know, we talk about USPs in marketing, which is your unique selling point. And I'd argue there's no true USP available anymore in products and services. It's all a copy or model of something else. So then what is a USP in today's world? And it's you. Like, you will always be the best version of you. I am Jamie York, and nobody will do Jamie York better than me, ever. And so, like, don't, don't just take that lightly as a, a small thing. Like, oh, yeah, I guess so. It's like, no, seriously, no one has your experience. Nobody has your parents. Nobody has your kids. Nobody has your family. And if you don't have a family and you were abandoned as a kid, nobody has that story quite the way that you have it. Nobody's felt the pain that you felt. Nobody's had the blessings that you've had. Nobody's had the connections, the surroundings, the upbringing, the nurture, the environment that you have. You are your strongest USP. That's number one. Number two, embrace fear. Embrace fear. And what I mean is flip it on its head. People always go, oh, what if it all goes wrong? You've got that whole quote, yeah, but what if I fall? Well, what if you fly? You know, but seriously, what if you do fall? That's what if you found? You get up. Like, like, like I said, let, let's play out mine. Okay, so I, I'm in I'm in England right now. So there's only so bad things can get really. But let's go a reality of the worst case situation. Let's say I screw it up. Um, let's say my team decide they're better off without me. They go and set up on their own. Um, they join together. They hate me. Um, I lose my home. I lose all of my money. My personal worst case scenario in my life is I have to go move back down to London with my mom. And I'll probably need to live there. Let's say I, I lose all of my zhuzh, if you like. 
I've just had 10 years experience as an entrepreneur understanding struggles that most people can never cope with. Mm -hmm. So here's the great thing. Number one, I need to go live with my mom for six months. Great. I love my mom. I miss my mom. I wish I could spend more time with her. I can, you know, that would be amazing right now. And I've got six months trying to find a job that will want somebody with my unique experiences. I can tell you I'm going to get a job is my worst case. So that's my worst case. And I think if most people really play out their worst case scenario, what you'll probably find is your worst case scenario is doing what you're doing now. Yeah. Okay. And I always think with my group of friends and that they've all got okay jobs, mm -hmm. right? Similar upbringing, similar education to mine. So my worst case scenario, if everything goes tits up, is I have to do what they're already doing. And if that's your worst case, it really isn't that big of a deal. Um, and the final tip I'd maybe give is, what do you think success is? Mm -hmm. Like success is overcoming failure. That's it. That's right. That's right. Every win, it's only a win because you've got a positive outcome that had a potential negative outcome. Otherwise, it's not a win. That's right. You know, like it, like most ripped people that get comments from people that know them is because they were fat before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's like, that's what happened. Like people comment on velocity, not speed. Okay. So if you were great already, not many people recognize that you're still great. So when I complete on a property now and I buy a property, I don't get much recognition because that's what's expected of me. I need to do something more, right? But it's kind of like driving. You could, you could be cruising on the highway or the motorway. I'm not sure what you call it over there. Um, and you might be doing 100 miles an hour or driving's fast, right? But you don't realize because you're cruising and then you look down at the speedometer and you're like, whoa, didn't realize I was going that quick, right? Because you don't, you've already got that momentum, but yeah. velocity is where it's really at. You put your foot down and go from zero to 30 really quick. You're not even going fast, but you're like, whoa. Yeah. And that's the thing that actually, if you embrace the fact that success is a representation of overcoming failure, you then realize and target problems and that's that's what you are you're a solutions provider that's right and in, in order to make money and become a success you need to seek out these problems and if you can approach that with the right mindset and understanding there's no true failure it's just giving up okay that's the only failure you can have and if you feel that failure being an entrepreneur that's okay you gave it a bloody good go mm -hmm. do you know what i'd rather somebody have to throw in a ring when I'm in the water drowning, because I jumped in and gave it a real good go. And if people are gonna mock me for that, that's a representation of them, not me. That's a representation of you needing to upgrade your life and upgrade the people you're around. But honestly, if you are sat there and you're listening to this and you're thinking about jumping in, the only failure that you're creating yourself is you haven't started already. That's it. That's deep, thank you so much, thank you so much. So if any of my listeners wanted to say, follow you online or uh, find out what you're doing, how do they find you? Well, if you're, in, if you're interested in property and stuff like that, YouTube's probably the best bet. Um, you can just type in Jamie York and I should come up. It's, a, it's mainly around property investment and building that up. And if you're interested in finding out more about business and you just want a bit of a chat more directly to me, Instagram's probably the best place. 
and it's just Jamie York Aspire, A-S-P-I-R-E. And then, yeah, if you want to have a chat, I'm happy to try and add value in any way that I can to people. Oh, perfect. Thank you so much for joining me today, sharing your insights, sharing your knowledge with us. I know that you love to teach people and you love to educate people. So this has been amazing. I'm sure that my audience is going to find this very valuable. Once again, I want to thank you so much for joining me today. No worries. Thanks for your time, Tim. Hope I added value to you and your audience. Absolutely, you did. Thank you.